All right, let's get it going. It is the People's Show. Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar running the show with Dominic Shermati, Elan Chark behind the glass as well. You can text in as well into the People's Show. 650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll connect with our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, Ken Priestley, and about uh, 10-15 minutes, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Adan Verk as well, joining us on Thursdays uh, from NHL MLB Network. Uh, trade in the um, for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that with Adnan, uh, plus uh, some awards being handed out, plus much more, uh, as we always like to dig into things with Adnan. Dom, what's going on? Uh, repeat after me. Repeat after you. Elon. Like Elon Musk. Oh, is it? Uh, but, but there's an A, not an O. That's just how it's M- said. My humble apologies. Okay, my bad. Uh, Elon. Okay, thank you. Uh I can't remember how I was going to start the show now. I'm mad. I hate <laughs> World it. Cup. World Cup. Look, it's, it's, World it's, Cup. it's my number one pet peeve. So my uh, my bad. My absolute bad on that one. Uh, all right, Canada got a result uh, to begin the day. World Cup fever. Now, like now, it's real. I know we talked about yesterday. Is it sneaking up on you? You get through that match, and now it's like, hey man, Monday can't come here fast enough. Obviously, uh, I got matches before then, but Canada, Belgium, it's it's finally here, getting ready for it. But they get a result today. 2-1 versus Japan. Uh, there's a non-CONCACAF opponent result, so a uh, good start for Canada to uh, get ready for what's going to be a difficult task, but are, are you feeling the uh, the hype now? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, man. It's just uh, I, I, I wouldn't go like set my alarms on uh, my phone to like look ahead and be like, hey, these days, set a reminder. And it's not even that strenuous. Not at o'clock. all. 11 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 and o'clock. And 7 o'clock. Seven o'clock? Yeah. Eleven, seven, and eight. Yeah, there you go. Um Belgium, Croatia, yeah. Morocco. I'm uh yeah, so it, it's very favorable. Obviously there's uh For the, us. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about Toronto and exactly. Montreal. I don't worry yeah. about that. Uh also the the parties that are gonna be uh with Halford and Bruff, uh, make sure you're part of that. Yes, sir. As well. Also, um, uh Riccio's gonna be hosting live reaction shows on Sports and Six Fifty. Yes. Yeah. Uh actually we're gonna have a, a kind of a different lineup next week as far as shows. You'll hear some uh soccer coverage with uh Kick in the Grass it's as back. well. It's back. Uh but our the, the people show is sticking around at uh three o'clock, so I don't need to worry about that uh for next week. But you will definitely hear uh, some soccer coverage as we get ready for the World Cup. Let me ask you about that. We just we just highlighted the time at which uh, Canada's playing their games. Mm-hmm. Um, is drinking in the morning uh, allowed? World Cup when... rules, man. Exactly. World Cup rules. Right? So I'm not going to be frowned upon for having a beer at 7 a.m. I wouldn't. It's breakfast beer. 100%. Okay. Now, Michelada. You might want to ask more vertical people in the organization. You know what I mean? Like, like Canberra. Hey, I'm just saying. I understand. You and me, at the uh, employee level, we're like, yeah. <laughs> like I sanction it. Uh, how will the superiors feel though? That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, ask them. Uh, 
but yeah, it's 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 soccer. Look, some people texting in, are, are you not hopping on the boycott? It's difficult. I get it. If you're not going to watch, I get it. Uh, it's it's tough for some people. It's still uh, this is the thing. It's like your your, your sports fandom is always leveraged against something. Uh, I I'm too hyped for it. Never seen Canada play in a World Cup. Exactly. It's, if this was commonplace, maybe I'd feel differently. But I've lived my whole life without Canada it's, in a World Cup. It sucks. Like honestly, it's it's a bit weird. Um, but I, it's something I've never seen in my lifetime. And right when kickoff is going to happen, am I, I going to be thinking about all the other things, or am I thinking about wow, I've never heard the Canadian national anthem at a World Cup? Uh, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. Uh, this one, nothing wrong with a little 7 a.m. breakfast beer, uh, but you have to add clamato into it. Yeah, michelada. There you go. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you say that. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. You don't have to apologize. Uh, but they get the result today. There was a moment, uh, two set piece goals, by the way, which is hey, short tournament, get goals however you can. Exactly. We, we saw Greece do that to great effect uh, to, to their trophy. So. If, Euro 2004. If, if, yeah. if you can win uh, that way, that's fine. We do want to see more, you know, collective play and all that sort of stuff. My thing is, like, what's your bar going into this World Cup? Mine is, I just want to see a goal. What? Yeah, seriously. That's such a low bar. I know, but it's still something we've never seen before. I guess. There's part of me that believes they can get a result, even one point, and that's historical. But, like, these are going to be difficult matchups. Playing Belgium to begin. Sure. Going up against Croatia. I kind of wish it was flipped, to be Morocco, honest. Morocco, Croatia, Belgium? No, I wish it was Croatia first, of the juggernauts. And then Belgium. And then Belgium, yeah. Morocco. But I wish, you know, obviously Morocco, if you got them first, you get a result and you feel great. But of the two juggernauts, I kind of wish you got Croatia first. Because my fear is, going to this match um, against Belgium, is there's a physical toll to playing Belgium. Not that Croatia soft or anything, but Belgium are well-built and stocked, and you might get pushed around a bit. And I wonder if the physical aspect of a match through 90 minutes to begin the World Cup uh, run is, wow, we, it, you'll see the physical step up immediately into a match. Will that, going into the next match, then having to go run around following that trio in midfield versus Croatia, will that take its toll and say, oh, this is very difficult, and now we're a little bit tired, a little bit exhausted. Whereas playing Croatia, that's a mental matchup. It's how do you stay engaged. And I, for step for, for match one, I would have loved to see them play Croatia. It's, you got to get physically or mentally engaged immediately, and how does that springboard you into the rest of the World Cup run? But Belgium, like, there's, the, there's going to be some bully ball to it. I know we don't uh, talk about bully ball in soccer too often, but... De Bruyne is going to run midfield. He's going to clatter into people. Lukaku is going to clatter into people. And, and and the back line, while I think they can go at them with speed, some some stout individuals on that Belgian back I'm line. I'm curious to see how Herdman sets up yeah. formation-wise. He doesn't seem like the kind of coach that's going to stray away from his strategy and well, we did play the matchups. Well, we did see matchups. that. Um, a little bit through qualifying, like they would have a match where they had like sixty percent possession, and then what was the one against uh, uh, I think Mexico or U.S. where it was like thirty percent. So there's been some adjustment. But he's always playing the wings. It's yeah. a very wing heavy team. Yeah. and that's the team. I, I'm excited to see against Croatia because we know, like, we know what Croatia is going to do. It's the midfield trio trying to spray it wide and, and get across in. Is and the old possession like and and yeah. uh, like that's like. Th- that's the thing. It's like, can you stay locked in when you're getting 28% possession 
that may be if if you're going to see them try to advance um I would like to see that as a first matchup because as a second one that to me is just killer um but against Croatia the wing play to me is can like do you go about it you're a big soccer guy do you go about it with the wing play and to try to compress the field inwards I would open it up you would want to open it up? Yeah. On offense? 100%. No, no, no. no. On, just just the way you set up in general. Like on, on offense, obviously, you're going to want to play wide. Yeah, for sure. But like f- keep the ball in the middle, which seems weird against Croatia because they're going to do that anyways. But do you try to compress how the wingers and, and how the fullbacks get involved in the play? Like that's the thing I'm looking at. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's where how wide are the Davies or Buchanan or David or whoever you want to put out wide. Will they – Stay narrow against Croatia, or they try to push everyone inside. Well, I could see that you could see them playing three back, and then the wingers yeah, would have to that. collapse yeah. on D. Yeah. yeah, but again, collapse internally. Yeah, internally, or? internally. I mean, that to me is dangerous. I, I want to force everything inside. I think, like, like that's the little interplay that I'm excited to see come uh, come next week. But man, I got to get through Belgium first. The the Japan match today, Japan's goal. That's one that you look at and say, like you could just picture Luka Modric putting one over the top over Canada back line. Or it's that little one-two playing it back to the, the the top or the back of midfield. And Modric's just like, yeah, I'll just dink it over the top. Someone's going to be there to uh, put that one in. So that was a bit alarming. But you got to imagine Canada's not going to play with as high a line versus Croatia mm-hmm. as they did versus Japan. But, hey, got a result today. That's the big one. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, Monday. Versus Belgium. All right, 650, 650. <laughs> Torgi, uh, who gets more points in their next three games, the Canucks or Canada? Oh, that's pretty good. Who gets more points in the next three games? Uh, so. Calamitous, disjointed, error strewn, awful. Uh, so, Los Angeles, Vegas, Colorado uh, versus Belgium, Croatia, and. Morocco. I'll say the Canucks. Man, that's tough. That's tough. I'll say the Canucks just because, hey, look, if they get one win, that's two points. My expectation is kind of for Canada. If they can get a, a point, that is a big result. Uh, and, uh, yes, it is three points for a win in the World Cup uh, for people texting in. Uh, Darius texting in. Listen, what happened to Greece in 2004, truly incredible. Uh, we absolutely stand no chance against Belgium. Absolutely, look, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Don't get me wrong, uh, but that's uh, you have to just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, that's it's why. Exactly. That's why my bar is if they score a goal, that's unbelievable for a national moment. Uh, but obviously, things get started uh, today for Canada. I almost said for Vancouver. Uh, for Canada uh, against that uh, against Japan, but uh, for real. Uh, gets going next week. All right, let's get some into some hockey talk with our guy, Ken Priestley, Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, two-time cup champion, former NHLer. Ken, how are you? Good, Vic. Yourself? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, getting ready for uh, the World Cup, amongst other things, including a, a game back at home versus the LA Kings for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so far this season, uh, Ken, they have had to play a host of road games, two five-game road trips, plus a, a game in Seattle as well, which is a short uh, flight, obviously. But nevertheless, uh, eleven games to begin the road uh, to, to begin the season uh, is, is that tough? You know, the the way we've seen this team so far this season, 
you know, it is always tougher on the road. Is, is that a fair – like, have we have we gotten the opportunity to give a fair assessment of what this team is, considering how many games they've had to play on the road? Uh, you know what? Um, I mean, the game is the game, but you're definitely – you're definitely a is a different approach when you're on the road. There's, you know, you want to take crowds out of it. Uh, you want to make sure that you kind of weather a storm that could be coming in the first period, get through that and see what it's like. It's different in every game. It's different in every stadium. It's different in every rink. I mean, you do, you got to prepare differently when you go on the road. Um, it is always nicer to be at your in your home rink for sure. But, um, you know, they'll probably have a few uh, home stretches here where they'll be able to get nice and relaxed and, and get into a rhythm that might be a little bit fav- more favorable to this team. I mean, we've, we've had a tough start, but um, there's some encouraging things. There's some not so encouraging things, but uh, they will uh, eventually uh, break out of this. And I'm sure we've got the, the best that Canucks can, can bring coming forward here. Have you seen in, uh, improvement from this group? Now, there's one thing that you can say that early, that, that seven-game stretch uh, to begin the year, look, they had uh, three goals, two goals, four goals, three goals, three goals, one goal, two goal uh, in that first seven. They've scored a lot more since then, but has the overall play improved to you? I think I, I, I think it's still, it, I mean, it's improved for sure. I think it's better than it was. I think they are, are better at times. I think the consistency is the toughest part. Uh, when you're going through things like this. I mean, we, um, uh, speaking from a player's side of things or ex-player's side of things, um, every time you go through situations like they're going through tough starts or, or losing streaks during the season, um, it, it, it's trying on you. And, and, and more so now than back when I played where the media wasn't so, so strong, there wasn't so many media scrums in everybody's mm-hmm. room and so much stuff that you could pick apart and and numbers were such a big deal. Like it's, they asked simple questions and then, then you got simple answers. Now, now everybody wants a more in detailed answer. And why did you guys not win? Well, simply not good enough that the other team was just better, right? They outworked us. Uh, they got a couple more goals. I mean, all those, uh, sort of staple answers that you used to get now it's it's way more detailed and and a a lot more time to uh have to think about your answer just to give out because they're not they're not no one's happy with just uh they outworked us they were the better team that night it's um it's difficult and there's there's no there's no question but we all know what this canuck team can do when they're feeling it when they're when when everybody's going good when everybody is uh is pulling on the same uh, same rope and everybody's you know doing the same thing. The biggest thing that I am encouraged by is the backup goaltending. I mean, mm-hmm. you get uh, Thatcher Demko coming out and 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 having a tough start, and then you get a replacement uh, like we have right now. I mean, that's an encouraging thing, and that's something that we have to build on. And maybe it gives Thatcher some time and 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 to to whether he's got some injuries or whether he's just struggling with his game I'm, I'm sure they're working on it every time but uh, it's nice to be able to put somebody in the net that uh, is getting points what was that like when you were playing when when you had a goalie that was kind of going through it uh, did, did you feel like you had to change your game at all um, just just from a team's confidence point of view um, what was that like while playing yeah, I, I don't think you ever I mean you, you when your number one's in there you're always a different team there's no question but uh, it, it's the goalies are always key players on your team. I mean, there, I, I was, I played with a number of different guys, but every single one was a character. They always were 
good in the room. They were always, you know, fun on the road. You, they, they hung out with everybody. Yes, they're different individuals. A goalie is a different guy, no question about it. But, uh, but um, when you, the goalies that I was fortunate enough to play with, they were just good guys. So everybody played hard in front of them and uh, they gave it their best. And, and, you know, like everybody says, your, your number one is your number one, but, uh, but uh, most teams nowadays have good backups as well. And the game doesn't change. It just happens to be a different mask in there. That's all. Talking to Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, two-time cup champion, former NHLer as well. Um, so the, the, this team's kind of sputtering here. They, they, you know, the last ten have obviously been better than the first seven. But you know, when, when you're going through a, a losing streak, and you know, what pulls you out of it? Obviously, they they won last game, but like, what do you remember? I, I'm not sure how many big losing streaks you're on some pretty good teams, but like, like, what's the type of things that pull you out of it? The, the first thing is getting a win, right? And then mm-hmm. you you get one win, and then you get two, and then uh, and then hopefully some people get on streaks, and and your your top players are feeling good. I mean, everybody, every team is is the same way. You you, you put some winning streaks together, and everybody starts feeling good. And uh, I think we were talking about just trying to get that first win a few weeks back here, and everybody's you know the weight off your shoulders is just that much. You just play that much looser. Um, they can't really get away from this uh, sort of negativity because it's one win here, a couple of losses, a win. You know, they can't really get on a good streak. And uh, I think once the streak happens, once they once they put a few together here and everybody starts feeling good, not only in the dressing room but in the media and, and, and all the people that they deal with on a daily basis, I mean, it does play on a player um, when you constantly are, are asked questions, what's going on? Uh, what's wrong with this group? I think they do their best to to ignore it. They do their best to, you know, put it aside and just play. But uh, you know, they they got to get on a streak here. They got to get two or three in a row, maybe four, and and then you're going to start to see. I think good things happen. I was kind of making the point yesterday that uh, you know the the entry point of when a new era starts is always difficult, and you know we've been kind of lucky here in this city to go from the West Coast Express era straight into the Sedin era and there was no you know um transition of what looking like what bad hockey really looks like and now we went from the Sedin era hall of famers to kind of the next wave and it was Bo Horvat, Brock Besser who kind of part of this obviously for Tanny Levy the immediate draft class thereafter but it, it hasn't gone as swimmingly is is this era kind of coming to a close to you and then we're, we're switching over to the the Pedersen Hughes kind of era of the team I think it's switched over. I think it's it's their team. I think uh, between Bo, Petey, and uh, and and JT and 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 Besser and Hughes, and I mean that's a core. That's a that's a group, right? They they've been here for a few years now. They're they're the leaders of this group, and uh, you know you got to throw in Demko in there too. That it's it's their time. That they've they've been here more than one year each, and uh, you know they have to figure out a way as a core as a group to make this team uh, successful. And um, and I think that's why everybody's sort of talking about how long do you want to wait for this to happen. And, um, you know, some teams wait years, right? And some teams mm-hmm. never get it. And, uh, you know, I played on some teams that uh, that were very successful and some teams, you know, my team in Buffalo were, were bottom of the barrel every, almost every year. And, and they had good players. They just, the chemistry wasn't right. The, the, the coaches were... You know, back there was new coaches every year. There was never really the same 
the same system. There was never really the same voice. It was it was always something different, and they were always trying to find ways to to get out of whatever circumstances they were in. And uh, even though they're grown professional hockey players, you do need uh, you know you you do need a consistent voice behind you. And uh, and and then when they got Bruce last year, and, and all of a sudden you started to see this this weight off their shoulders and they started winning and they started playing, you know, the way that they, you know, that they thought they were going to play. Uh, it just, it, it went so well last year that I think everybody coming into this year was just instantly thinking we are cup contenders or we're definitely going to be in the playoffs or, you know, things are going to go good. All of a sudden things go down and then you see sometimes the true colors of players, right? They, they, they either, band together and, and figure it out or they don't they go their own ways but uh, eventually it'll break and um, and uh, it'll either be yes we're going to implode this team and we're going to start from scratch or or it's going to be hey here goes the green light it's, it's on now we now know what we have to do everybody buys in and you see better results what what was that like in buffalo where, where there was you know maybe some regime changes or waiting for that next wave of talent to to start coming in for you um from from I guess like game twenty onwards, what was that like to try to focus on on doing your job, or is it a lot simpler than we like to make it out to be? Um, you know what? I I mean I was young then. My, when right. we were, were going through tougher teams, I was young. I was one. I was a player that was you know they did not want to go through those circumstances, the pod holes and circumstances. You know, like do we want to take young players and introduce them to this? way of it's a little bit chaotic at the moment is it good for a young player to develop like this I was in that spot I mean I remember getting sent down back to junior before my I don't know it was 20th game or something like that and they just they just decided that it was better for me to go and play um, on a regular basis than be a healthy scratch and 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 sit up in the stands and and or in the press box and and watch what was going on on the ice because you Maybe at that particular day that you wouldn't be learning anything or, or anything. So they wanted you to go back and just play as much as you can. My circumstances there was I got sent back and, and, and played 40 games in junior and then got called back up. And they had hired Ted Sater as their coach. And Ted Sater kind of brought this, this really rejuvenated life or whatever you want to call it. And the team started playing better, right? So... They just thought, okay, now we're going to see what our what our older guys or our veteran players are like. They started playing better. Now they introduced the guys they sent back. They called them up, and you know we had a pretty good run at the end of it. But um, it's it's an interesting situation to have to go through, and, and every team goes through it differently. But uh, sometimes it makes you stronger. But uh, let's let's hope because I still think, and, and I've kind of said this the whole time. I think this is a really good team. I just think that it's uh, it has to figure out some things that are that are a distraction for them, and, and eventually we'll see good things on the other side. Hey Ken, uh, we appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you. Enjoy the World Cup. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, I wish I was in England right now. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be so much fun on Monday. Uh, it's Ken Priestley, our two-time cup champion, former NHLer, and Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber. Get thoughts coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll talk to Adnan Verk as well on the other side here on The People Show.
Welcome back to The People's Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Well, checking out the reaction from the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Again, Ken has hit the nail on the head. Really like what he's saying. Ray and Campbell River. Uh, some good reactions as well coming in. Uh, can we take a moment to recognize Will Lockwood? Uh, you got a feel for how he's held on and held on and held on. Really hope he gets a longer look this year. Well, he's getting a look because uh, the the amount of bodies that are out. Curtis Lazar uh, back at practice today. Uh, still day-to-day. But, hey, look, that's a commitment to the to the gig. I'll Honestly, like, looked pretty good uh, in the game the other night against the Sabres. Uh, gets his first NHL point, which is very encouraging to see. Uh, but, yeah, you, you want that organizational depth. I, I thought, for the most part, struggled last year. But it's look, you're getting your feet wet in the NHL. Never an easy thing. Uh, so, again, keep going on that professional development. We'll see what Will Lockwood does uh, in uh, the AHL for, for more of the season. But that's part of the plan here, and, and that's part of the thing that uh, Alvin, Rutherford, Clancy have had so much success with in Pittsburgh is fostering that environment at the AHL level and getting guys through to the NHL to play a role, work on their game in the AHL. It's not a development league, but you can treat it as such. It is a professional league, uh, but when you treat it as a way to uh, get guys flushed through to the NHL, uh, is there more out of Will Lockwood's game? that uh, this organization can find, but certainly deserves a shout-out after his performance the other night against Buffalo. All right, let's talk to our guy, Adnan Verk, at Adnan S. Verk on Twitter, NHL MLB Network in the Cinephile Pod. Adnan, how are you? I'm doing great, Vic. How you doing, man? Oh, aces, man, aces. Uh, I I love this time of year. I was saying it last week. As much as you know, we we get the you know Super Bowl in February, NHL, NBA playoffs. I love the volume of sports we get right now, and especially right now because we got, look, we got the World Cup coming up as well. Uh, you know, baseball just wraps up, but you got hockey in full swing. Uh, the NBA, NFL, like everything's happening right now. So, so this time of year is awesome for me. Yeah, always a good debate. What's the best sports month, April or October? I always land in October because you know how much I love baseball, the baseball playoffs. Plus, you're getting football. Of course, April is awesome because the first round of the NHL playoffs you can't beat, and you have the NBA playoffs, and you've got baseball going on, but no football. But you're right. The, the high of October is still continuing because of that World Cup. Like, I myself am kind of like taking a breath. Like, oh, I'm watching a little more basketball. Obviously, still doing hockey to work. Baseball hot, still keeping me busy. The Oscar Hernandez trade, et cetera. But the World Cup right around the corner, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I am not a huge soccer guy, but who doesn't love the World Cup, especially since Canada is in it. So I'm with you. This is – we're riding the wave right now, but great sports time. Uh, hey, what's this like for you uh, uh, for the World Cup? Are, are you uh, go Canada? Are you go go U.S.? What's the story here? No, no, come on, buddy. Come on, big. We, we can't provoke my citizenship here. It's, it's all Canada all the way. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. With a close second to England. Because my mom moved from Pakistan to England when she was 10. Okay. So all my mom's family's in England. So I'm very, very pro-England. Matter of fact, England, the United States, is taking place on what is known here in America as Black Friday. That's the day after Thanksgiving, all the big sales. So I will not only be uh, cheering for Canada, but I'm still loyal to the Commonwealth. I'll be cheering heavily for England against USA, which will be a massive match on Friday. Yeah, I can't wait uh, for things uh, to get rolling uh, this weekend for the World Cup. Uh, all right, yeah, you mentioned baseball. Uh, look, we, we've talked so many things about like changes that need to happen in, in Major League Baseball, you know, the shift and all this sort of stuff, pitch clock. Uh, can we get all the awards announced at once? Is, is, is that a thing we can do? 
No, I like it every day. To be Come on. MLB Network and, and each day we're trying to grab an hour of content. So I did MLB Tonight yesterday, and my wife even said to me, like, what are you doing for an hour show? That's an hour show with three years all night. And I said, well, it's great because it's coming after the, uh, the Cy Youngs. So you obviously have one segment on Verlander and Alcantara, specifically the fact the only other time both winners were unanimous was 1968. The great Denny McClain, 31-win season with the Detroit Tigers. And, of course, my man Bob Gibson, the 1-1-2 ERA, lowest ever in what is known as the year of the pitcher. So that's one segment. We led the show with Teoscar because that was pretty massive. Like, wow, the Jays, we had their slugger. We got a Mariners insider to give insight there. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of Mariners fans listening to us right now on the station. Then you can forecast MVP. That's a segment. So we go ahead and predict what's going to happen with Judge and Goldschmidt. Then there's, like, other news, like a couple reliever signs, some other kind of things like that. And then they kind of just make up like a dummy segment where is there in judgment again. So trust me, I am loving the fact every single day we've been able to kind of draw this baby out. Look at the years. As a matter of fact, on Monday, I wrote, if I may say this myself, pretty good essay about Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. It's pretty rare, Bick. You get two rookies who come into one class, and you feel like these guys are really going to be stars for the next decade. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is rare that this happens. You know, Harper and Trout will always be uh, inextricably linked together going back to 2012. But I really feel like J-Rod, who won, and Rutschman, both those guys literally could be stars the next 10 years and will always be compared to each other. So I in complete disagreement with you. I love the fact we're stretching this out every single day with awards. And how about my man Buck Showalter? I worked with him last year at MLB Network, and I worked with Terry Francona at ESPN. Both guys, managers of the year. Uh, they're getting the Adnan Verk bump, so there you go. Uh, just just the residual <laughs> well, greatness from Aaron it. Boone. Yeah. You have to really be really be a more no, – no, 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 you can really uh, – Somebody who really lies in the weeds. I actually look at the manager that you're voting, like look at the ballots. My buddy Aaron Boone had a second-place vote. As a matter of fact, he finished fifth in voting. So I took a picture of that, and I texted to Boone, and I said, you're top five. And he gave me the emoji, like the shrug emoji. So <laughs> I don't know if he's saying, like, oh, who cares? Or he's saying, like, yeah, not bad. I, I don't know how to interpret it. But Aaron Boone giving a shrug emoji to being top five and a second-place vote. For manager of the year. Emoji interpretation should be a class at colleges, to be honest. Uh, uh, talking to Adnan Verk, at Adnan S. Verk on Twitter as well, if you want to give him a follow. Uh, so so last time we talked, I asked you, hey, are the Phillies going to be a blip or something like that? Or is this something that they can you know do another run? Now, we find out news as well, Harper doing some surgery as well. So does this play into the, the role there of like, hey, this may have been a blip for them as well? Good, good job jogging my memory. That was the other segment we did yesterday. What, Ten minutes on Bryce Harper, because you're right. What he did is amazing. And I was on with our friends in Toronto Sports Radio yesterday. They brought Bobby Bond. I said, what, what a reference. Very Ontario-centric. Of course, Bobby Bond won the Stanley Cup in the Leafs back in 67 on a broken leg. And the comp to Harper is, this guy played the entire year, Vic, with one arm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not exaggerating. There is no other team that benefited more from the universal DH than the Philadelphia Phillies. He did not play the field from mid-April on. And even though he had an extended absence, was still a big-time contributor. We looked at the numbers. In the first, like, 80 games of the year, he was the MVP. Like, his numbers were incredible. He misses time, comes back, and slumps badly. Like, the last 27 games of the regular season, Bryce Harper was a shadow of himself. And then in the playoffs, he goes back to being Bryce Harper, and he looks like he's Reggie Jackson up there, Mr. October. So Harper clearly was not 100% healthy was somehow able to kick things into gear, was healthy enough to perform to his usual high standards. But now this UCL injury, I mean, if it's Tommy John, it's not like for a pitcher in which you missed the entire season. But I think if D.D. Gregorius of the Yankees, similar situation, 
had Tommy John, who's back with the Yankees in June. So, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We don't know for sure if it's Tommy John. If it's a UCL injury, hopefully Bryce Harper is back in April. But if it's Tommy John, he's missing at least a month. But, again, this guy has proven he can play through the injury. Like, I I don't even know if he misses time if it's Tommy John because he'll just DH until June, perhaps, and then put the field. And, again, Gregorius, I'm mentioning, an infield, a shortstop. Bryce Harper's an outfielder, so that obviously complicates things as well. The bottom line is this. He was now fully healthy and still put up sensational numbers. I can't imagine that Bryce Harper would have gotten if he was fully healthy. Matter of fact, one of the guys told the story, I think it was my colleague and friend Tom Verducci, who said Bryce Harper for years, his eyesight wasn't great, didn't even realize it. Went to the eye doctor when he was like 18, and then they get in contact. He's like, oh, my God. Like, he was raking before he could even see the ball. So I feel like if Bryce Harper with one arm can do that in the playoffs, I couldn't imagine what he could do with a fully healthy body. Uh, so that's last season stuff. Uh, now we get ready for the off season. Already seen a couple of things. Uh, I, I do want to get to the the, uh, the trade, but Rizzo uh, staying in pinstripes as well. And the thing that's interesting to me is, I think it was documented as well, his relationship with Aaron Judge. So thoughts on the move and what it could mean for Aaron Judge as well. You read my mind. That was the whole thought was that, if you buy into these things, Rizzo and Judge are pretty tight. That doesn't mean because Rizzo signs, Judge is definitely staying with the Yankees. But I would have raised an eyebrow if you told me Rizzo was leaving the Yankees and potentially going to the Giants or the Dodgers. Then I could really start the wheels turning and say this is going to be a package deal. Rizzo's a wonderful player. Now, I don't like the fact he doesn't hit high for average anymore. He had like 223 last year. Like that, that, that does bother me for $20 million a year. But he'll walk. He definitely gets hit a lot. So the on-base percentage is up around 340, which is good. And the slugging was a really pleasant surprise for me. Like last year to see 32 home runs for Anthony Rizzo, most home runs he hit in like five years, that was really impressive. And clearly a guy who benefits from the short porch. Add to that, he's excellent defensively, and he's even better in the locker room. You've never met a guy who doesn't like and love and appreciate Anthony Rizzo. So the Yankees, they signed him to two years, 32 million, because nobody really wanted him. He opts it up in a really good year and then gets, you know, 25% raise of $20 million a year and an extra season on top of that. So I think both sides do well. I don't think Rizzo's the type who's getting three years, $75 million. I think two years, 40 is good. The Yankees got their guy they like. And as you mentioned, he's friendly with Judge. So hopefully it's good news to the New York Yankees. I don't think of the major guys that will get signed anytime soon, meaning Correa or Trey Turner or Jacob DeGrom. The one exception, though, is Judge. I think if the Yankees come to play and tell Aaron Judge eight years, $330 million. don't even go talk to the Dodgers, don't even have a conversation with the Giants, and I think he'll be more inclined to sign. But you and I both know, we've seen this now with baseball. In the past, a lot of moves have happened at the winter meetings, which are coming up in San Diego. Now players are much more inclined to hurry up and wait, which is why I was happy to see Rizzo actually sign. Uh, we got a text here uh, into our inbox from Jeff Rose. says, out of the big four free agent shortstops, uh, which one would Adnan want on his team? Uh, who are the options? Are they the free agents available? Uh, of the free agent shortstops, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's Trey Turner, and it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, Correa I love. I mean, ever since the you know, mind looking at his watch and at that home run, I mean, how do you love a guy like that? He's, he loves the metrics of, of, you know, the defensive excellence and analytics, and he's an excellent player. But I do worry about durability a little bit with Correa, and I don't know where he's going to go. I Honestly, I'm very confused. I mean, I could see Minnesota just giving you a ton of stakes, or probably not. Maybe it's the Cubs. Maybe it's the Cardinals. I think he's going to wait. I don't think Correa signs until February. Like, you know, he will definitely take his time. But very charismatic. I've met him before. Great guy. I'm going with Trey Turner. Trey Turner does everything well, and in some ways he's actually underrated. 
And Ruben Amaro said to me, the former Phillies GM, he's now an analyst with us at MLB Network, he said when it's all said and done, of this agent crop, the best player is going to be Trey Turner. Like Aaron Judge is the biggest name, and he might hit 55 home runs next season, but the best player from this crop over the duration of his contract is going to be Trey Turner. He'll hit you 300. He surprisingly gets you over 20 home runs. He drove in 100 runs. Mm -hmm. He'll score 100 runs. He can steal, and he's terrific. Like Trey Turner is going to get $250 million, and he's worth it. I don't know if the Dodgers are going to get him. Like I think the Phillies and the Cardinals are very much in play for a big-time shortstop. I hear a lot of talk about Xander Bogarts going to the Phillies. Dave Dombrowski previously gave him a six-year $120 million deal, which now Bogarts is opting out of and then could rejoin Dombrowski. But I would say if you looked at all the shortstops, I really like Dan Swanson. Defensively, he's been excellent for years. His offense really came together this year. He's a fabulous player. As I mentioned, I like Correa. But for me, it's Trey Turner. Talking to Adnan Verk here from MLB NHL Network. So the trade goes down yesterday. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez going to uh, Seattle. We talked last week about what each team kind of needs to do. Does this kind of fit the profile for what the Mariners need to do more so than the Jays? I think it actually helps both teams. Now, it's expensive with the Jays if they give up to get that reliever help. But both those guys are definitely going to help their bullpen. Uh, the name escapes me right now. But the reliever that they got, he's got three more years of club control and had a 1.68 ERA and 70 strikeouts, I believe, in 55 innings. So he's a stud. You pair him, I think it's Swanson's his name, you pair him mm-hmm. with Romano. Now, listen, that's a great one, too. And we saw last year, Vic, just how leaky Toronto's bullpen was, particularly their middle relief. So that really does give you an elite setup guy. And I'm, I'm, I can't overestimate the importance of the three years of club control. We've seen relievers get big-time deals. Edwin Diaz got $102 million, most ever for a free agent reliever. Suarez had one great year of the Padres. He just got $46 million for five years. I'm like, wow. Uh, Rafael Montero for the Astros. Again, non-closer. Presley's are closer. He just got $34 million for three years. So a good reliever is getting 10 or $11 million a year, and the Jays just got a guy who's elite, who's under club control for three years. But the big thing is this. You give up a lot to get him. You give up Teoscar Hernandez, who is a silver slugger two years in a row and was an all-star this past year. No matter what, Teoscar Hernandez wakes up. He's, he's hitting 20 home runs. I mean, he is doing that in his sleep. And here's the issue. It comes down to money. He's going to do about $14 million in salary arbitration. He's a free agent after next season. The Blue Jays know they've got to try to lock up Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette. You think they got money for Teoscar Hernandez as well? He's going to get a five-year, $100 million contract. So if Vlad's getting $300 million and Bo Bichette's going to $250 million, I think the Jays realize, you know what, we're not going to be a play to sign Teoscar as well. Let's flip him now with a year left, and let's go out and get a couple of relievers, one of whom is elite. And for Seattle, it's a huge win. They need power. Like, that ballpark is hard, as you know. It's two hours from here. Like, it's hard to hit home runs there. So, Josh Fernandez is probably going to hit 32 home runs the way he did in Toronto, but then he's 25. And, and their power was really focused on, like, three guys. It was Cal Raleigh and Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez. Those are the three guys. Otherwise, it's boom or bust. So, it's a great trade for Seattle. Because the Oscar can hit home runs and helps out that outfield. And Hanniger, it's an upgrade clearly over Hanniger. And for Toronto, you do what you got to do. I don't think it's a win. It helps your relief core. But losing to Oscar hurts, no doubt about it. But now they're going to go out and get a left-handed bat. Everyone knows how white-handed heavy that Jays lineup is. Maybe they're in play for a lefty free agent like Brandon Nimmo. Uh, you also host the Cinephile Pod. I, I do want to pitch this by you. Because sometimes I'll, I'll see something over the weekend and I'll be like, oh, I, I have to bring this up with Adnan. Uh, the the movie menu is it the menu or whatever menu 
that looks uh, rather chaotic, and I, I'm kind of intrigued. Have Have you heard any buzz about it? Yeah, the menu opening with Ray Fiennes. I've always loved. I believe Andy Taylor Joy as well. It's got about ninety percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's excellent reviews. Uh, looks delectable. I, I don't know the whole story. Yeah, uh, but I'm with you. I just see I just see a chef, and it looks sinister, and clearly some violence is here at play. So, and movies like that when they're released at this time, I always feel like it has a good pedigree in terms of the actors and good reviews. I'm assuming it's a black comedy, and it'll be something that'll be very enjoyable. So I um, I would say it's on the menu. The menu is on the menu when it comes to yeah. movies to see. Um, she said is also open this week, which is really good. That's the story of the New York Times expose on Harvey Weinstein, which really broke down Weinstein, the whole Me Too movement. So two really good movies open this weekend. But I, I haven't seen the menu yet. I know it's open this week, and uh, I'm with you. I think it looks interesting. Hey, what's picking up Oscar buzz right now? There's a film right now, but Fableman's getting a ton of buzz. Steven Spielberg's new film is opening right now. It's a limited release. It'll be opening wide in American Thanksgiving, which is next Friday. So I will... I'd likely go see it next week. I may try to go back and visit my parents next week. I can make it happen next week in Toronto. So maybe I'll be seeing it in an Ontario theater, but I I can't wait. Uh, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, it's about Spielberg's life. He's finally made a movie about his upbringing. It's about a young boy who wants to be a filmmaker and how his parents' uh, situation, divorce, impacts him. Apparently, it's beautifully done. He rarely submits his films in film festivals, but it was released at the Toronto International Film Festival, which is a real harbinger for Oscar success. If you win the Audience Award there, you may not win Best Picture, but you're definitely getting nominated for Best Picture. And guess what won the Audience Award? Of course, it was The Fableman. So the King's Speech won in Toronto. It won Best Picture. Social Network did well. It gets nominated. Shape of Water, remember, did really well in Toronto. And, of course, that won Best Picture. So at the very least, The Fablemans will get nominated for Best Picture. And right now, the odds are favorite. I can't wait to see it. Uh, at Adnan S. Verk on Twitter, uh, NHL MLB Network, and the Cinephile Pod. We'll talk soon, pal. Thanks a lot for answering the phone. <laughs> Just for you, big take care. Uh, Adnan Verk joins us here on the People's Show. All right, running late. Uh, let's get to the People's Picks on a Thursday with the Thursday Nighter on way. It's time for the People's Picks, brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game. When you bet with Play Now Sports, brought to you by BCLC. Loading up uh, playnow.com on the Thursday nighter. It is Titans at Packers today. And three points is the line. I really like this Titans team. They've grown on me. Uh, I, I should have uh, stuck to my convictions preseason on the Titans. But I do wonder if this is just a bad spot for them. Short week. We know Mike Vrabel coaches them up. They play very physical football, which, let's be real, the Packers don't necessarily uh, like having to play smash-mouth football. But it's a short week. I just wonder how many weeks in a row you can kind of grind your guys out. Obviously, that KC game. Then they go against Denver. Can they keep it going on a short week? I kind of lean towards... uh, the minus three for the Packers, even though I think the Titans are the better team, but I just think it's a bad spot for the Tennessee Titans today. So I'm going Packers minus three, but if you're looking at some props as well, the game script for the Titans is just give Derrick Henry the ball. He's got to touch the ball running, I think, 27 to 30 times rushing the ball. So, yeah, it kind of goes against the Packers minus three, but I do think he hits over 104 and a half rushing yards, which is available on playnow.com. So it's more about the volume than it is uh, the game script. They just got to give him the rock 
And uh, if it's if it's 29 touches and 110 yards, uh, that's what you're looking for. The other one, Randall Cobb is off IR for Green Bay. And uh, we know Aaron Rodgers loves just throwing to his friends. Uh, 25 and a half yards is plus money, 205, uh, if you're looking at online at playnow.com. So Randall Cobb, 25 and a half yards, but keep an eye on that injury report uh, right before the game as well. You'll get the inactive list in about a uh, half hour. So make sure you check that out. Uh, all right, that's the People's Pick brought to you by Play Now Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit, play within it. Taking a look in the inbox, uh, someone's texted in. Can this Myers to the Leafs rumor please be discussed on Canucks Central? I need to hear, hear Sat's thoughts on it. You know what? I bet you they'll talk about it on Canucks Central. They talk about everything uh, going on with the Vancouver Canucks. Dan Riccio, Satya Shaw, they'll have you covered the rest of the day here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.